there's a moment you realize you're ready for what's next in your career. Maybe it's when you're trying a new scone recipe and think, I could open a cafe. Or maybe you're helping a coworker and say, I could teach a course on this. Whatever your moment is, it's never too early to plan for a career that lives longer. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. For skills training, resume tips, and job listings, visit aarp.org work. There's no place like the movie theater. The smell of fresh popcorn welcomes you to a full body experience while candies and sodas compete for your attention. Pick me! Pick me! Hoping to join you in the best seats you've reserved on Fandango. It's where movie lovers buy tickets, pick seats, and double up on rewards points all online. All that's left is to walk in, snack up, and sit back. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. Welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jake Croucher here with Drew Dinsick. Today we're going to talk US Open on the women's side and then a couple of MVP awards markets in MVP and Coach of the Year. Uh, I've got a Herman Marquez jersey hanging behind me today uh, to congratulate the Colorado Rockies for holding Ronald Acuna to one for five with a single last night. Let me tell you, Drew, uh, I don't know what the government's up to at the moment, but I need an executive order to prevent Ronald Acuna Jr. from setting foot in the state of Colorado uh, in any time soon because uh, those at-bats are absolutely terrifying. I feel like a single or a walk uh, is honestly a win. Uh, the way the ball flies uh, in Coors Field. Anyway, enough about Herman Marquez. I, I gotta tell you, uh, sorry. I had, I had the, I, I had the screenshot ready to go. I was really hoping he was going to go over five, and that, that, that would have been nice. But yes. uh, that, that, la- that last uh, at bat single was, uh, was a bummer. But uh, it was. So it, so it goes. <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, we'll Better than Homer, I guess. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and we'll run after. Uh, yeah, he had the greatest game in the history of baseball on Monday night. So it was good to, to come down uh, three for ten the last two games. With only singles uh, got through that. Now big series coming up uh, against the Dodgers, which will yeah. be will be fun. I mean, maybe might be devastating. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> let's talk U.S. Open women's outright odds. Iga Sviantek, uh is plus 225, as you would mm-hmm. expect. Arena Sapolenka is going back and forth with her double faults issue, but she's plus 400. Coco Goff, after surviving round one, looked a lot better in round two. She's plus 550. Elena Rubakina keeps going under the radar, but seems to be playing pretty well. She's plus 650. Jess Pagula, who the market has fallen in love with, I have not really, but she's eight to one. And then you have Mukova, Mukova, Javur, uh, Vondrasova, three uh, of the past four Grand Slam finalists. And then you get into Benjic and Sam Sonova, who cost me money uh, every tournament. <laughs> uh, what do you make of the board at the moment? Um, is there anyone who's going to threaten Eager? Uh, well, of this list, uh, the women that are going to cost you money are Benchich, Samsonova, <laughs> Jabor, sure. and Mad Madison Keys. Um, it, it the women's side of this draw is shaping up to be one of the more yeah. You know, okay, there's there's two there's two there's an ebb and flow here, Jay. Uh, it's shaping up to be one of the most chalky quarterfinals that I can ever remember um, because the women who are in form and who are the best in the world are playing all of them very 
very, very well right now. And uh, so on one hand, you're like, well, we're not going to get any long shots home in the quarters. Yeah, that's true. But uh, the quarterfinals themselves are setting up to be truly epic. Uh, your number one and third picks here for the uh, U.S. Open, which I completely agree with, are Iga and Coco Goff. They are set for a collision course in the first quarter quarterfinal, uh, which would be an incredible rematch of the Cincy Semis. Um, for me, the advantage there is Ika, which is why that's the only bet I've made for any of the women's winners. Um, and, you know, you can basically get pretty close to the same price that I played. I think the best number I got on Ika right after we saw the draw was in like the plus 280 range. So plus 225. You haven't lost so much value there. Um, Coco Goff, I will say, she was staring down the barrel of a gun of a very, very tough draw. But Daniel Collins has been dispatched by Mertens um, and, uh, you know, Kvitova dispatched by Wozniacki. Um, decent chance Jen Brady could actually beat Wozniacki, which would actually set up Goff for pretty clean wins in round three and round four, in my opinion. So she may be a little bit less damaged, a little bit less fatigue, a little less tested than I was concerned she would be once we get to that quarterfinal stage, which could turn that one into just the de facto final. Um, I know that's disrespectful to Sabalenka, who's playing really well right now, disrespectful to Pagula and uh, and Rabakina, all very, very accomplished and outstanding uh, women's tennis players. Uh, Q2, which looked pre-draw, like the one you were going to catch some real crazy long shot potential, um, is also shaping up relatively chalky. If I had to say it right now, we're going to get Rabakina versus Mukova in the quarterfinals, which was your odds on most likely second quarterfinal when we started this. It is worth noting Rabakina is still a little bit of a question mark. She came into this tournament with um, lots of fitness questions. She played one match against Marta Kostiuk, who just decided not to show up at all. And then she got a walkover in her second match. So she's real. we really don't know what to expect. If she has to play a, a tough three-setter in the heat, can she withstand that? Not obvious to me that that answer is obviously yes. So of sort of the brand name players, the one that I would be the least um, you know, excited to back to get to a semifinal would be Rabakina. Um, plus, it's a really interesting clash of styles. If that is your second quarter quarterfinal, Rabakina uh, Mukova, I mean, that is that that is like must watch. Um, it is worth also noting that uh, Mukova, uh, she's got an awesome, awesome match tomorrow set up against Taylor Townsend. If you have not been following the Taylor Townsend story, she's one of the best women's doubles players in the world. Her game is unique. It's fun to watch. She has incredible hands, incredible touch, incredible skills at the net. Um, and so that is an awesome contrast of styles between her and Mukova. So that's going to be the best w match on the women's uh, side tomorrow, in my opinion. Um, Q3, we're looking at a collision course between Pagula and um, uh, Von Drusova. Von Drusova has the easier path to get there, which is why I think if you have a Q3 Von Drusova price in pocket, I wouldn't get too nervous just yet. Pagula could get uh, you know, run into trouble here in uh, the next couple of rounds. Samsonova, your girl, is probably the one that you would have the, the most um, faith would give her a test. And then uh, Q4 right now, I'm against Ons today. I'm against, uh, and again, if you're listening to this, this that match has already happened. Um, so we'll know, we, we, we don't know yet if Ons is in or out of the uh, round three. Um, but uh, against Ons with uh, a bet on Noskova uh, today. And then um, uh, I like uh, the, I like what I'm seeing from uh, the Chinese uh, uh, up-and-comer uh, who I've backed tournament in, tournament out, waiting for her breakout, uh, Zheng Xinwen. Uh, she has come through uh, round two with a really impressive uh, third set stamp 
win against Kai Kanepi, who is a pest. Um, and I think she can actually get to the quarterfinals, but is probably drawing dead against Sabalenka. Sabalenka is the most interesting kind of handicap on tour right now because you mentioned the double fault issues. She just in general, like I saw it boots on the ground sitting right above her box, you know, right, you know, right behind uh, uh, her as she was serving for, uh, you know, in that second set um, in round one. And I'll tell you, man, she makes some mistakes that are just inexcusable. She has some tactical errors that are just, you know, indefensible. Um, and you know, if she is going to, uh, you know, leave the door open, then a player like Zhang Shinwen can absolutely come through. Uh, I took a little bit of her to win Q4 at, uh, 10 to one, but that actually just kind of compliments a bet I've already made on Sabalenka stage of elimination semifinals. So that's my overall read. I think we're still, it's still very possible that our pre tournament predictions of Iga over Von Drusova are still where we're headed here. Um, but, uh, Boy, oh boy, are we set for probably the most epic round of women's quarterfinals and, you know, and slams of, use, of recent years. Yeah. Well, it was your prediction that Von Drusen was going to make the final. I'm not <laughs> on the Von Drusen going away. I don't think she's that good. Um, so, go to my grave, not understanding how she actually won Wimbledon, which still doesn't seem like a reality. Uh, not winning Wimbledon without having to play Rabakina, Sabalenka, Igor Sviantek, or an Ons Jabur whose limbs worked. Uh, so, she was able to, but she took care of business, I guess. To me, the most interesting thing in the outright market is just how Elena Rabakina is being priced where she is, it's like the market and even match to match, it's like the market is pricing in that there's definitely something wrong with her. Uh, and I know, I know she didn't get a test in round one, but she seemed to move fine and she seemed to look right. Uh, and then she gets the walkover in round two. So I think it just has to be a good thing that she's gotten through to round three of the U S open losing three games, uh, on the way. Uh, so she, if she is right, then she should be fresh. Uh, and when you, particularly when you think that, you know, eager and Coco have to play each other in the quarterfinals. So one of them is done before the semi Sabalenka, uh, it's kind of all over the place where she got through the Australian Open without, well, the demons are reared a little bit, but she got through and won. Completely bottles the French Open semi uh, in just unforgivable fashion against Mukova. And then was fine against Dons in the semi of Wimbledon. I don't think she bottled that. She just, you know, lost some key points and, and ended up losing the match. It happens. But she is definitely uh, fragile as a second favorite. So, yeah, Rabakina to me is, is the player to watch. Um, particularly because she doesn't have to go through Eager and Coco to get to a semifinal. Uh, so she's the one I'm most interested in. Last one before we move on to the NFL. Uh, in terms of a long shot, I'll give you, I'll give you three names, and then you can choose one. They're all in the kind of 33 to 1 to, if you shop around, 60 to 1 range. Bencic, Samsonova, and Zheng. Who do you think is most likely to win the US Open of those three? So... Man, this is hard. <laughs> they all have a lead upside. I'm going to say Samsonova's third choice for me because I worry about her health and fitness always. Okay, um, ben Benchich is second for me because I worry about her keeping her head against super elite competition. Uh, and uh, Zhang is going to be number one for me, largely because I, she's she's got a killer instinct. When Iga was just untouchable at the French Open on clay, Zhang took a, a set from her in a tie break, and for a lot of that match was the better player. 
Um, and so I think I've seen enough elite upside in random slams from Zhang to have a little bit more confidence that uh, she could surprise here. Um, but uh, again, like I, she's the only one of those three that I think is getting to the quarterfinals, which also helps. <laughs> so, so yeah, sure. Her little section, I think, is the softest. I mean, yeah, she gets, I mean, it's not yeah. a walkover, but getting to face Lucia Bronzetti in the third round is, is pretty That's bad nice. as good as it gets. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see with Ons Jabur, uh, who would be her most likely fourth round opponent if she's still alive, if you're listening to this. Um, but yeah, Zhang certainly, <laughs> I mean, she's just got everything uh, in terms of her game. She's got the power. Mm-hmm. She has a really unique yeah. kind of topspin forehand as well. She's got a big serve. Uh, she's got it all, and it's just a matter of when she puts it together, which, uh, yeah, hopefully is is this couple of weeks in New York. Yeah. She is way taller than she looks on TV, too. Yep. She's she's big. <laughs> I had no idea how, uh, uh, how formidable she was, but uh, she's ready to go play point guard for the Knicks. There you go. Well, yeah, she might be taller than Jalen Brunson. All right. Uh, <laughs> Roto-World Draft Week is officially here. All week long, we've got drafts, articles, and more from all your favorite Roto-World talent and special guests. Get all you need to dominate your upcoming fantasy drafts. Go to NBCSports.com slash fantasy to see the schedule of all that is happening this week and use the code CHAMP23 to save 20% at checkout and receive a $10 Fanatics gift card. The Premier League is built on hope. The hope of discovering a new star. It doesn't take long for Darwin Nunez to make an impression. The hope of rewriting history. And the hope of continuing a dynasty. Unstoppable week after week. This is the Premier League on NBC, USA and Peacock. Dear listener, please close your eyes for this movie theater meditation brought to you by Fandango. Breathe in. Smell the fresh popcorn. Now exhale. (sighs) Open your eyes and proceed to the best seats in the house you reserved on Fandango. Recline. Now, download the free Fandango app for movie times, tickets, and seats at your favorite theaters. Fandango. It's your ticket to the movies. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Go for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this! How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. Just got out of a fantasy draft, actually, with producer Adam uh, in a two-quarterback lead and a very questionable uh, approach at quarterback. Just kept on waiting and waiting and waiting and ended up with Bryce Young. uh, (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about MVP, which Bryce Young probably isn't going to win. Patrick Mahomes is the favorite, plus 600. Joe Burrow, plus 700. Josh Allen, plus 750 uh, Mm -hmm. as your top three. Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, they follow. Uh, we've talked a lot about Mahomes uh, as the rightful favorite, and I think he should be should be much shorter than plus six hundred. Is there anyone in that second tier after Mahomes uh, that you're interested in? 
So the way I look at this market, and we talked about yesterday about how defensive player of the year we see as a relatively closed market. This is maybe even more closed. Um, I think there are six men with a realistic chance to win because you have to combine elite statistical output with team success to get this award at the quarterback position. That is the rubric here. There's nothing more that really goes into it. Um, And everyone not named Pat Mahomes is also now facing the uphill battle of to win this award, you have to outperform Mahomes specifically because he is locked in as QB1 in the minds of every voter, in the minds of every analyst, in the minds of every fan right now. Mahomes is one with a bullet. Um, So there are only six there are only five other men that I think have a realistic shot to do it. And in order, they are Josh Allen, uh, Joe Burrow, um, Jalen Hurts, um, Justin Herbert, and Trevor Lawrence. I don't think that realistically Lamar Jackson can do enough um, in terms of team wins just because I, I, there are too many questions, injuries, and just overall strength of that roster for me to think that the uh, Ravens can surprise you and steal one seed or even win the North at this point. Um, so for me, at least, uh, it's a pretty pretty narrow, uh, narrow market here. Trevor Lawrence is maybe the only... Like, if, if you want me to make a case at all for why to include him in the six, we've talked about how there's an outside chance just because they have, you know, among the weaker schedules um, in the AFC, uh, among the challengers, because they get to play everybody in the AFC South twice. That right there gives them, in my opinion, an inside track uh, to get a one seed and to just have the team success to go along with what I think is going to be a pretty impressive statistical leap for him this year, considering the weapons that are available for the Jaguars. Um, And, you know, he gets to go head to head against all of these guys, two of them, in my opinion, in somewhat favorable conditions. I like that Mahomes has to go down to Florida uh, early in the season. Uh, I like that you get the Chiefs before they get into the groove and really kind of figure out roles and responsibilities of all the wide receivers um, and before the defense really kind of comes together because the Chiefs defense absolutely turns into an arc. Maybe no Chris Jones in that game now too. So, you know, you're getting the Chiefs when you want them early in the schedule. You're getting the Bills in London after you've been there for a week. Uh, and so I think if if I'm making a case for anyone outside of Mahomes, which is very tough, <laughs> I'm going to make it for Trevor Lawrence because, uh, again, the Jags, I think, have a track to get to the one seed. Um, and, uh, you know, that if you're if you have head to head wins on your resume against Mahomes and Allen, then uh, I think you're uh, you're cooking with gas. Yep. I think Lawrence is you know on the short list of guys who have the talent and upside to win uh josh allen to me is an interesting one because he's he's kind of like the luka Doncic mvp guy every year where he's always close to the favorite um but hasn't really come close to to winning i don't think mm-hmm. josh allen i mean last year he was he was certainly in the mix i think was favorite for a time but the thing with allen is just that his he may well be the second best quarterback in the NFL, but he doesn't have a statistical profile that lends itself well to winning MVP just because he throws so many picks and he just throws the ball up for grabs and you know touchdown to interception ratio uh, is is one of the biggest factors in MVP. So that gives me a little bit of pause with Allen mm-hmm. uh, and why 
I would have Burrow neck and neck with him. Uh, I don't really think anyone on the board is currently a bet outside of Mahomes. I do think Jackson can win, but I wouldn't be interested at 14 to 1. Okay. The other thing with Lamar Jackson is as much as we think about the health, he just hasn't been as good since 2019. He hasn't been sure. that level of player. I think last year was the, probably the closest that he's been since 2019, but we still kind of have to see it from him in a way. I don't think there's any long shot that is appealing at price. Last year, there were two. There were two guys who were very uh, easy fits for, you know, the Mahomes came out of nowhere to win. It's like 50, 60 to one. Lamar Jackson was similar. Matt Ryan was similar. It was a bit of a different case. He was a bit more of a known player. But last year, there were two guys who kind of fit that mold in Jalen Hurts and Trey Lance. Yeah. Obviously, it didn't work out for Trey Lance. <laughs> Worked out pretty well for Jalen Hurts. I guess the candidates for that this year would be Brock Purdy, Jordan Love. Yeah. Like, I just yeah. don't don't really see it with them. I don't think those guys even have the upside right now that, I mean, at least in my head, I thought Trey Lance had last year. Yeah, uh, So... Yeah, none of no one there is is particularly appealing. So uh, yeah. I think Mahomes is the bet. You know what you nailed also with those because I, I agree with your three. All three of those guys, the coaches will get the credit more than the player, um, and the team success is going to be a little bit of a well. Also, the defense had a ton to do with this, as opposed to it was the quarterback that got them these wins, right? Um, so I, I I agree with you, but that that would be my short list as well. Also, I, you're reminding me, I bet Trey Lance last year MVP. <laughs> that, that lasted all of six quarters. Um, actually, no, but that lasted all of one quarter. If we're yeah, being honest, it was over. It was over pretty quick. Um, and, you know, I think, uh, you know, health of Brock Purdy is another kind of asterisk, I guess. Um, let me ask you this about the MVP award. <clears throat> The NFL did something weird scheduling-wise. I've noticed this now kind of breaking down everybody's schedules independent, right? You look at every kind of realistic top contender for the Super Bowl this year in both the NFC and the AFC, and there is an apparent round robin of these teams from Thanksgiving until Christmas, right? You look at every single one of these schedules, and you're like, oh, my gosh, look at Phillies, November, December. They got to play bang, bang, bang. Look at the cheat. Look at the Bills. Look at the Niners. Look at the Cowboys. Right. The idea that all of these teams are going to basically play each other and sort each other out in the minds of who is the best before we get to the end of the regular season, right when voters are considering these awards markets, I think is going to have an impact ultimately on how this goes. And so, I think looking a little bit carefully, and particularly, I, I'm not t- I'm not warning you, Jay, who I know <laughs> likes to have Mahomes, but the idea that he's at a rest disadvantage in a lot of these games is a little concerning. And I think you know, kind of following the health uh, and just in general, like before we get to that point, just kind of gauging what are the temperature of some of these teams, what are the health of these teams before they get to the part of the season where they this ultimately they all play each other and it gets decided. Uh, I think is going to be key. Um, my question for you is uh, if everybody's just beating each other, like, you know, is there, you know, does that open the door for a player like Lawrence? Right. Um, you know, cause he's not really kind of in this grinder where he's going to be spending his, uh, you know, December playing, you know, against all these elite competition. Yeah, potentially. And I think we saw last year, before Jalen Hurts got injured. I still think Mahomes would have won even if Jalen Hurts didn't get injured. But like MVP, 
you don't have to be considered the best player in the sport to win the award. It's the award for who has the best season. I don't think anyone thought Matt Ryan was the best player in football in 2016, uh, but he had the best season. Yeah, he wasn't. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah, he was not. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, like here are the quarterbacks who won MVP from 2017 to uh, sorry from 2007 to 2014. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers. Like it's just kind of <laughs> generally the best players. The other thing with quarterback is it's not like superstar quarterbacks really have random just years where they're bad. Like it's a pretty stable position from that sense. Like Mahomes two years ago it was a down year by his standards. He was still excellent. Uh, he was still a borderline MVP candidate. Outside of that, he's been a you know an elite MVP candidate every season. So I don't know if there is you know turmoil in terms of uh, who is like who's winning games and losing games at the end of the season, and it's all kind of clustered together. I think it'll just go to who has the best statistical resume, and the best statistical resume is is likely to be Patrick Mahomes. Uh, so yeah, I, I just think he is the better. I think no one's going to have any issue as well giving Patrick Mahomes back-to-back MVPs, which he's never won, which Aaron Rodgers just did two years ago, finished off going back-to-back. So uh, certainly the one seat carries a lot of weight, and I think that's where most people start their MVP pricing is looking at who's going to get the one seat because that's such a tie break. So it makes you the story of the season. Uh, it creates separation between you and other players in your conference. At the same time, if the Bills who got the one seed last year, Mahomes was still going to beat Allen. So yeah. I don't think that's that's necessarily the end of the world. Uh, so, yeah, Mahomes is the only bet for me uh, at the moment in that market. All right. Before we get to Coach of the Year, a reminder that Saturday, September 2nd at 11 a.m. Eastern, Vaughn Dalzell, Brad Thomas and Eric Froton are answering your college football betting questions for week one. All you have to do is tune into our NBC Sports YouTube page to hear more of their thoughts on NBC's first Big Ten Saturday night game and much more. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. In Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. The Premier League is built on hope. The hope of discovering a new star. It doesn't take long, but Darwin Nunez to make an impression. The hope of rewriting history. of continuing a dynasty. Unstoppable week after week. This is the Premier League on NBC, USA and Peacock. Dear listener, please close your eyes for this movie theater meditation brought to you by Fandango. Breathe in. Smell the fresh popcorn. Now exhale. Ah. Open your eyes and proceed to the best seats in the house you reserved on Fandango. Recline. Now, download the free Fandango app for movie times, tickets, and seats at your favorite theaters. Fandango. It's your ticket to the movies. 
coach of the year. It's been a bit of movement in this market now. Dan Campbell has kind of separated himself as the favorite, which I don't necessarily disagree with, but no interest at all getting involved at plus 800. Sean Payton, uh, Matt Eberflus, Arthur Smith, Robert Sala, Matt LaFleur, uh, they round out. The top six favourites, uh, you've talk, talked a lot about Mike Tomlin and how you like him at price, which is in the 20 to 25 to 1 range, which I agree is still too big uh, and a very sound bet, I think. Particularly if you get 25 to 1, I think you should be half that price um, or at least close. I've aligned myself with Matt LaFleur, uh, which is in a way I've, I've aligned myself with Jordan Love, which is to say I don't really know what's going to happen there but there is uh upside and i think lafleur will get the credit uh, have you made any other bets in this market uh i am riding solo with tomlin at the moment um good friend of mine though who does not agree with me okay. <laughs> like emphatically does not agree with me uh made a good point which is this is a really crowded market sure there are 12 I think coaches who have a realistic chance here. Um, that is more than last year by a meaningful amount. Um, the case for Tomlin, by the way, if you haven't already heard this and if you haven't, then welcome to the first time you're ever listening to our content. Um, <laughs> they're the fourth choice right now to win a very, very flat AFC North, in my opinion. Um, he is a guy that everyone loves giving credit to when they when the team is winning. Uh, I think the offense clearly primed to take a step forward in year two with Pickett and the defense is a top five unit on paper and is deep, can withstand injuries, offensive line getting better, elite weapons to work with now between Johnson and Pickens, in my opinion. So, um, you know, ultimately, I think uh, the, you know, the, the Steelers finding success and kind of being the surprise team in the AFC playoff picture is going to be enough for him to get consideration. And he's never won this award. And I think if we beat that drum hard enough in the month of December this year and the play, you know, Steelers are winning in the AFC North, uh, I think this is realistically his to lose. Um, the other guys with realistic consideration, though, and this is a long list. Uh, you know, you mentioned LaFleur. He's absolutely in consideration. Shanahan even is in consideration, even though they won a, a million games last year. And he was, you know, he's realistically... Um, you know, it's going to be tough to increase his win total by much, you know, you know, his win total by that much relative to last year. But, um, you know, he's he's absolutely getting the credit if the Niners are a 15 win team, um, you know, and I, I the list again goes Arthur Smith is live. Dan Campbell is live. Um, Eberflus is live, although I don't think the Bears are winning. I don't think the Bears are finishing above 500 personally. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, you can go down to some of these long shots and kind of really realistically construct a case where, you know, the commanders find their way into a playoff picture. Is Ron Rivera getting consideration? Possibly. Um, I think the, um, the idea of if the Seahawks steal the a NFC West, is Pete Carroll in the conversation? Possibly. Um, you know, they, you can make a case for so many players that uh, this is a super crowded market. My flag is planted on Tomlin. It's largely because I, I believe that the, uh, their odds to win the AFC North are shorter than market. And that is enough for me, I think, to get him absolutely a seat at the table in the discussion, if not be the outright leader once we get to the end of the season. So um, you, I, do you have any new thoughts on this or any kind of anyone that you thought was live that you're, you're, so, you're starting to kind of put a line through at price? Uh, I was a lot higher on Mike McDaniel 
a couple of months ago before all yeah. the players started getting injured. Great, uh, great, and great also point. just being uh, kind of more fully absorbing how difficult that schedule is, which in a way uh, will give him the opportunity to beat other candidates and, you know, if he wins that division and gets the one seed, then I think uh, he is extremely live to win. But uh, I don't like their chances to to win the division or get the one seed as much as I did uh, before when they had Jalen Ramsey and co. The one thing I would say about this market is a lot. I've had a lot of comments from people like just putting a line through a bunch of guys, and I think that's kind of fraught with peril in this market in a way that it's not in, say, the NBA Coach of the Year market because it's the NFL. It's such a small sample. It's 17 games, you know, and that creates more variance than in the NBA where, for instance, I was going to say Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey definitely can't win Coach of the Year this year because he's not in the league anymore. Monty Williams, I just don't (laughs) think he can win Coach of the Year on that Detroit team because the barrier to entry in that market is, you know, being a – top five, six seed, and I don't really see Detroit getting there. Whereas in the NFL, like right now, the guy with the longest odds in the market, alone on an island by himself, is Todd Bowles. And I don't think Todd Bowles is winning coach of the year. At the same time, he plays in a terrible division. He's got a quarterback <laughs> in Baker Mayfield who was the number one pick and does have some elite NFL seasons on his resume. The Stuart Evans and Godwin, they've still got some talent on that team. I don't think they're going to be very good. But there are worlds where that team in a bad division with an easy schedule because they play in that division flukes itself to, you know, 12 and 5 and all of a sudden the Bucks are the three seed or whatever. Like those worlds exist in a way that they don't in a sport that has 82 games or 162 games, I would say. Mm-hmm. So, look, I would say that the guys, you know, more so than Bowles, who probably have an even harder time winning, like how does Kevin O'Connell win Coach of the Year after yeah, they won 13 games tough. last year? Yeah. How does Andy Reid win Coach of the Year unless they go 17 and 0 or 16 and 1? And you know, a lot of these awards markets, they ignite through random things that change public sentiment. Like Marcus Smart won Defensive Player of the Year because there was a podcast and then there was an article and it got retweeted a lot. Then people started thinking about it. Uh, with Andy Reid, like maybe it could just ignite that, oh, this is this is the Andy Reid year. Uh, this is the year we celebrate his achievements because one big article gets written and it goes viral and everyone starts thinking about it. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is a pretty kind of amorphous, strange award. Let's give it to Andy Reid. But at the same time, like you need so many things to go right. So I just I would approach this market with an open mind. And the way to think about it is, you know, who has upside to improve their win total by four or more games from the previous year, which is usually a prerequisite to win? Who can do that without having Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Joe Burrow or a superstar quarterback uh, so that the coach can be identified as the guy who gets the credit over the superstar quarterback, which is the thing that screwed Matt LaFleur all those years uh, and allowed uh, Kevin Stefanski to win with Baker Mayfield, Mike Vrabel to win with Ryan Tannehill, Brian Dayball to win with Daniel Jones, uh, Bruce Arians on that Arizona team that had like Carson Palmer and then he got hurt and then it was random other guys. Like those are the coaches that win. With all coach of the year markets, you need to be able to point to the coaching. Uh, and so with someone like Tomlin, it's just going to be, I think, very easy because Kenny Pickett, no one thinks Kenny Pickett's a superstar. I don't if you ask most people to list off the 20 best quarterbacks in the NFL, I don't think Pickett's really cracking that list. Uh, so those are the kind of guys to look for. Matt LaFleur as well is very much uh, in that bucket. 
And just to round off this point, you know, if we were crossing guys off last year, you know who would have been one of the two or three first guys that we crossed off is Pete Carroll. Pete yeah. Carroll would have been immediately crossed off because their win total was like five and a half as the Seahawks. You know, everyone wanted Drew Locke to be the starter. <laughs> uh, so uh, Geno Smith, lowest upside guy you could possibly get. And then all of a sudden, I mean, on merit, he really had, I think, a top three or four case last year. So mm-hmm. random stuff happens in this market. I think it's extremely biased by narrative and momentum at the end of the season, which is what I thought would sink Dayball. But apparently beating Sam Ellinger created enough momentum for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, and the last thing I'll say on this is people are using Dayball as too much of a precedent. Dayball got 16 out of 50 votes. Like Dayball yeah, great point. A very fractured field and he's in New York and I think there was a lot of circumstances that had to conspire to get him to 16 out of 50 votes which <laughs> happens to be enough to win uh, so yeah that's where I'm at with that market uh, any, yeah. anything you want to add no I, you're that was a great breakdown uh, I would only take red I would only take a red line through five guys right now um largely all the points you made o'connell sirianni guys that just can't improve that much and or if they do gannon. improve it's going to go somewhere gannon yeah um Gan- well, yeah definitely gannon um yeah there's a handful of those guys that's about it uh i'll just note that uh the steelers big big free price to win 13 games which would be a four win improvement nine to one uh yeah. which means 30 to one for <laughs> coach of the year probably ev uh so fingers crossed Yep, agreed there. All right, we're done. Don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. If you're listening to us in podcast form, please don't forget to rate and subscribe. And a reminder, to find all your favorite NBC shows on Amazon Music, just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. From Jay Croucher, Drew Dinsick, and Herman Marquez, we'll see you soon. 